and welcome to the Our Flag Means What Again podcast. In this podcast, I'll be discussing, analyzing, and critiquing HBO Max's new hit show, Our Flag Means Death, created by David Jenkins. My name is Courtney, and this episode will be about the pilot. I'll be analyzing it, critiquing it, sharing my thoughts and opinions, and most likely discovering new things that I didn't notice, despite this being my seventh rewatch. Okay, let's get into it. So, the first thing we find out in this episode is that it's 1717, the golden age of piracy, and Seed Bonnet, wealthy landowner, quote, quote, landowner, but it's the 1700s, so he wasn't owning no land, he was owning people, slaves, but the show doesn't get into that, but I digress. Off topic, we'll get into that later on. So he's a wealthy landowner, and he leaves his comfortable life to become a pirate, and they say things didn't go as planned. That's code for him falling in love, if you didn't know that. And to drive it home, they turn the white text from white to red, signalizing love. Anyway, we meet the crew, and they're on deck playing cards. And one of them, who we will soon learn his name is Pete, says that they haven't done shit so far. Which I'm guessing means they've been out here for like one to two months. I don't know, I'm not a calendar mathematician person. But yeah, they're like, oh yeah, but he's trying his best, I guess, question mark. Then we meet Steed Bonnet. He tells them that the raid might get very dangerous and some of them might come back mentally devastated. And if that happens, you know, what do we do? We talk it through as a crew. And this shows that he does care about them and their mental well-being, even though he's definitely going to struggle for a while because he doesn't really get these people. You know, he's from quote unquote upper class and most of these people are poor or people of color. So he's definitely going to have a blindness to that. And they raid the vessel. It's not a vessel. It's a tiny ass boat. Unserious ass man. The crew is obviously displeased with this because they're like, what are we doing out here? Steed takes Lucius, the scribe, to his room and he documents all the shit like, oh yeah, we boarded a vessel, we got this tiny ass plant. Lucius knows he's unserious. And Steed talks about the different things he's done for the crew, like how he's offered them his library for them to borrow books anytime. But he says that none of them have taken him up on the offer yet. And Lucius is like, yeah, well, none of them can read or write, only I can. And Steve's like, is that true? Once again, showing his ignorance and lack of awareness, because, yeah, what did you expect? Most of them are poor people of color. It's the 1700s, of course they don't fucking know how to read. But he takes Lucius on a tour around the boat and shows all the rooms that he's done for them to relax and just have fun in. And we find out that he's paid them a salary, which is not common, because they're fucking pirates. And he says he pays him this salary at the end of the week, no matter what. In that he's trying to change the system that pirates have often operated on. You know, the abusive, you don't eat if you don't do this, where you don't get paid and you get cheated like shit. So that's nice. We learned that, you know, he's kind of kind, but is he really kind because he's kind? Or is he kind because he has money? Or is he kind because he's trying to make up for being a shit dad and a shit husband? Or is he kind because, you know, he's white and he feels bad about his privilege? He also says to Lucius something I find really interesting, that a lot of the guys are sweethearts deep down inside, but they're dealing with a fair amount of trauma. And while it might seem like a throwaway line or just a little, you know, kiki, like, oh, pirates having trauma, whoa, that's crazy. But no, he's speaking from experience because as we soon find out later on in the episode, he's been bullied his whole life by his own fucking father and by his quote-unquote peers, and how that has shaped him into the man he is today, whether that be for better or for worse. After that, we meet slash re-meet the crew after Steed talks about the quote-unquote raid, and they're like, that was not a fucking raid, and he's like, okay, what would you change around here? They said, we need flags. So he has them make flags, and then while they're making the flags, he goes away to talk to Lucius, and we find out that the crew wants to mutiny against him. Shocking, no one. 
I mean, it sucks that they want to mutiny, but he's not really a great captain. And the only person that's like, hey, let's maybe not mutiny is Oluwande. Oluwande, this sets him up as the mediator of the crew and the person that's more, the most empathetic, kindest on the crew, I would say. Because it's true. Argue with your mother. Buttons hears all this plotting and scheming and he goes to tell Steed, like, yo, they're planning to kill you. And then Steed's like, oh shit. So he has to think of something to do. Because if not, they're going to try to kill him. And he sends Lucius away like, oh, you don't need to write this shit down. You know, go take a walk. And we find out very hilariously that Lucius is on with killing him. He's like, oh yeah, the mutiny, I'm still in though. Buttons tells Steed that, you know, they're not afraid of you. So you need to make them afraid, you know, do something that will make them respect you. And Steve's like, okay. And he finds the big ship. He's like, let's go after that ship. Not knowing that it is indeed a Navy British warship. So he's got them in that. And then when he tells the crew, oh yeah, we got this big ship. And they're like, is it actually big? He's like, yeah. And they're like, okay, let's go. And they're getting ready to, you know, go kill. Because they're fucking pirates. And that's what you do when you board a ship. But Steve didn't think this through. And he's like, hold on. We're actually going to be killing people. And Buttons is like, yeah. And he has a whole panic attack. And then they cut to a flashback with him as a child and his dad, who I did not know was his dad because that man talks to him crazy, thought this was just some random worker that had it out for him. But anyways, his dad is chopping off the head of a chicken and Steed looks away. He's like, oh no, look at this. This is a real man's work. Nasty. And he takes him around the estate, the mansion that they have. And he's like, oh, this is all going to be yours one day. And Steed's like, oh, that makes me fortunate. And his dad's like, no. You little shit, you definitely didn't earn this, you lucked into it. Bunch of homophobic light rhetoric, he's like, oh, you're weak and soft-handed, you'll never be good, fuck you, basically is what he was saying. Then Steed's in his room like, oh my god, I'll never be shit, you know, I'll never be good enough, I'm just weak and soft-handed like my pa said. And I love how this show takes childhood trauma seriously, and it shows that it really does and can impact you your whole life in fuck you up because look at fucking steed he's in his room in his crying robe thinking like oh my god my dad was right i'm weak and i'll never be shit and he's overcompensating he bought a fucking ship not bought he had it made my goodness and then he became a pirate to prove his dad wrong and to run away from his marriage yeah but also to like show that he can be strong because his dad's words really did affect him and still do to this day Oluwande and Jim check on him and we got that funny little bit of Jim doing all that slicing shit and Oluwande's describing it. And she's like, oh, is there anything, you know, less combat-y that I cannot kill people with? And Oluwande realizes, like, this dude is not going to survive long. He's better than me because he sits down to tell him, you know, you don't have to do this. And some people aren't meant to be pirates. Nicer than I would have said it. But, you know, he's got decorum, class. He's better than me. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, some of us love being out here and being pirates. And Oluwande's like, yeah, but some of us, he means people of color, predominantly people of color, yes, mostly. Some poor people too, but it's mostly people of color, black people that have to be out here and doing this shit. He's like, yeah, but me and Jim, we don't do this shit because we want to, you know, we got no choice. But Steve's obviously still not getting it, or he is getting it, and he's like, oh no, yeah, you know, I could be badass and hard. Missing the fucking point, as he does. They find out once they hear a boom on board, it's a fucking Navy warship. Because, yeah, their luck has been shit so far. I'm so sorry. And we find out that one of his old childhood bullies is on that ship. And he sends his Navy people over to ask Steed to invite him onto his ship. Which Steed obviously does. 
get that amazing scene with his wardrobe, his outside wardrobe, which isn't really a wardrobe, it's more of a rack of clothes. His outfits, oh my goodness, amazing. I need them to do like behind the scenes or like an interview talking about his clothes and how they chose it and like all his amazing fabrics because say what you want about Steed. A terrible captain? Yes, maybe. Ignorant? Yeah. But lacking drip? Mm-mm. He's always going to have his drip. But yeah, he gives them all backstories and he's trying to pretend that they're gentlemen, but you know, they're fucking pirates. And there's the dinner. Poor Frenchie Roach Oluwande, the only black people on the crew, mind you having to pretend to be servants, racism, anti-blackness. Y'all pretend like racism don't exist in this fucking show and it's right there. Anyway, off topic, I digress. Just microaggressions up the wazoo. Talking about, ooh, introduce us to your colorful crew. Fuck you. Talking about, this tea has obviously been made by savages. Oluwande's eye roll, Frenchie's obvious discomfort, and Roach looking at them like, oh, just say the fucking word and I'll kill them. I love that there's three black people in the main crew yeah, I would like more. But there's three black people that's more than other shows set in this time period would do. And at least they have actual depth. And they show the different ways they react to racism. Because they're not a fucking monolith. They're all from different backgrounds. You know, independent characters. So they don't have to represent a whole fucking diaspora of people. They don't have to be fucking monoliths. But Nigel's talking about how he used to bully Seed and shit. Learn more about this childhood drama. My god, that poor baby was going through so much. Then he's like, oh, show me around. And she's like, fine, I'll show you around. And he leaves the racist with the black people in the crew. Love that so much. Not a bright man, but he tries his best, I guess. And while he's in there, he shows him around his room. And the room is just chandeliers, two of them. A fucking fireplace, no sense. A librarian. It's just really, you know, extravagant. And not just like, you're so fucking unserious, because what the fuck is this, you know? Giving very much homophobia a little bit. And he's like, oh, you're very soft and shit homophobic light language but life goes on i guess and we cut to the crew eating dinner with the racist can we talk about parallels because i love it they show us the racist being nasty towards the crew and then it keeps switching between the racist being nasty in the crew and steed having to put up with nigel's bullshit once again and they both kind of snap at the same time not really because when the racists get real directly racist with frenchie jim said cut that shit out we don't do that here and i know that's fucking right stab that bitch in the hand because, yeah, and then they're all like, okay, free game. Roach comes out with a cleaver, ready to hack those bitches into bits. Oluwande pours hot tea on those bitches' laps. French is just having a ball laughing, because this is, like, reparations for him. And this scene, this pilot, sets a precedent that, yeah, if you're racist, you will be dealt with promptly, swiftly, usually in violence, you know? Because you wanted to be violent with your racism, so now you get killed, or stabbed, or maimed, whatever. Love that. Love that so much. And it's also showing that racism did exist, yeah, but it's not doing it like these other shows where they're like, racism existed, that was so crazy, we're just being racist just to be racist, to be quote-unquote historically accurate. Bitch, anyway, I hate that fucking historical accuracy shit, because y'all will be out here doing the craziest things and people are like, that didn't happen, but you're like, oh, we have to be accurate in our racism? It's not making sense, but pop off, I guess. This show is like, yeah, talk shit, get hit. Especially if you're racist. Racists will be dealt with promptly. And Nigel and Steed hear all this commotion from Steed's room. And Nigel is like, oh, we gotta go check this shit out. But Steed's like, oh, let's just wait it out. And Nigel, nasty ass man, gets all up in his face. He's like, ooh, you're a little bitch boy, you know, pathetic. You've never had the guts and all that. And Steed snaps because he thinks of all the times that Nigel has bullied him. 
his dad has bullied him, him being an inadequate husband and father, and just being bullied his whole life, and he's had enough. He hits that man over the head with a paperweight. Good for him. That man falls on his fucking sword, and Steve freaks out, obviously. More trauma for him. This man don't really ever catch a break in the trauma department, does he? Nope, but life goes on, I guess. He calls for help in Oluwande and Lucius, his two closest people on the ship, by the way. It's a setup for them being the closest to him later on. They come and they're like, ooh, shit, yeah. He's definitely dead. And Steve is still freaking out. He's like, oh my god, I'm a murderer. What do I do? What do I do? More trauma for this man, because why not? The writers really said, um, can we traumatize him some more? I think so. He hasn't been through enough, I think. And Oluwande is like, hey, you know, snap out of it. We could use this to our advantage. Let's think for a second. He's like, do you want to live? And Steve's like, ah. But he's like, you want to live? Say yes. And he's like, okay, yeah. And Oluwande's like, then you did this on purpose. Because if not, you know, the crew will definitely mutiny you. He's like, you did this on purpose. And you will say this on deck if you want to earn their respect and earn your keep. And so you don't die. He's a fast thinker on his feet. He's kind, like, wow, this man is amazing and really a better candidate for captain than Steed, which gets you thinking, why isn't he captain? Which the show knows this. That's why they did it. Smarty pants. We'll come back to that in later episodes, though, because this is sowing the seed of doubt and, like, why isn't Oluwande captain? You know, what's got you thinking, oh, this is going to be like one of those white bullshit shows where there's a black person that's obviously more equipped to be in leadership than the basic white man. They know we're thinking that. They set it up so nicely. This show is so excellent. I'm sorry. But yeah, they go on deck. And they got some hostages a little bit. And some of the remaining Navy that's still alive. And the crew's like, oh my god, you really did this. And Steve's like, yep, I killed them on purpose. And they send the Navy, some of them. They keep two hostages. They send them to go spread the word like, yeah, don't fuck with us. We did this shit. After that, the crew's enjoying their small victory, and they're like, wow, we really did that. And Pete's still being kind of like, you know, we didn't do shit. I mean, he's kind of right, because did they do shit, or was it just a whim type of thing? But Roach and Frenchie are happy that they got some hostages. Frenchie fucking with them. Good for him. Good for him. And Oluwande and Lucius are over talking, over by the upper wheel. I don't know, I'm not a ship person. I don't know the inner workings of pirate ships or the layout. But yeah, they got the two main supporting characters, because that's what they are, the main supporting characters. They've been set up as that, obviously. If you couldn't tell, now you know. They're talking about, oh, damn, you know, we really did that. And Lucius is like, he's a shit captain. And Luanda's like, yeah, but we're kind of a shit crew, you know, so he'll get to live a little longer. We'll get to eat well. He's doing the thinking. Smart man, smart man. Some people might think, oh, you know, he was probably just being weak, you know, with the whole mutiny thing and like he don't got the guts. But he's doing the thinking like, okay, if we were to mutiny, who would lead? Because the rest of y'all are kind of shit. He should lead. But, you know, he don't want to. We'll get on that later. I got to stop branching out into shit that says not in the first episode, but it's hard. And hopefully most of you have seen, you know, all episodes, not the first, I don't know, eight to nine. Because why else would you be listening to this? Anyway, Oluwande's like, let's keep him alive because, you know, we'll be fed and we're living well. He'll probably die soon as a pirate anyway. And Lucius is like, yeah, yeah, true. And Steed's over by the edge of the ship, railing, whatever that's called, I don't know. And he's thinking of his family. But this scene, it's not like how we saw before, 
where he was all the way at the edge and the family was close together. That was just, what the fuck is that called? Not illustration. Metaphor? Oh no. What is that called? I don't know, but it's, he was showing, it's how he felt. He wasn't really that far away from the family. It's just how he felt, you know? Or maybe he was sitting that far away. I think it was how he was feeling, like he was that far away. But I don't think he was that far away. Maybe he was, but it was also a metaphor. Who knows? I don't know. But it shows him closer to the family this time. And they're actually talking and laughing and shit. And he looks hurt in the present, like, damn, you know, I really ditched my family and all that. But he's like, you know what? My new family's here at sea. And it's bittersweet because it's like, oh, you know, he found his family. But, you know, they're not family yet. But it's being set up that they're going to become family, obviously. And it also shows that he feels a great deal of guilt for leaving his family. Like, this isn't some white man that was having a midlife crisis and just up and left. It was, but it also wasn't. It's, once again, trauma that impacted a lot of his decisions. Like, damn, trauma is a bitch. It can really impact your decisions hard. And it really impacts most of Steve's decisions, like, hard. Because he feels inadequate, you know. He's trying to make up for all his supposed shortcomings in life. And he just wants to be free, you know, from the shackles of toxic masculinity and homophobia, obviously. Well, we find that out later on. But, I mean, we can tell he's gay. Sorry. But, ooh, we can tell. And he's making a new life for himself, which is really good. And obviously very queer-coded. You know, he's doing a found family type of shit. Who does found family the most? Queer people. Anyway, he's like, my family's here at sea. And then he goes over to them. There's music playing in the background, high on a rocky ledge. Whoever picks out the music for this show needs a pay raise. I don't know how much they're getting paid, but if you're listening, probably not. Whoever picks out the music for the show, you're doing amazing. Keep up the good work. I love you so much. High on a rocky ledge plays as he reads them to sleep at night. He's reading them Pinocchio. And they're all listening and either smiling or crying or sleeping. They're like, wow, you know, Puppet really pulled it off. And we cut to Jim's room and the fucking nose that they had on and the beard that they had on is now on the counter. Would that be considered a counter? What would that be? A dresser? Maybe? I don't know what that is. I think it's a dresser. But yeah, off topic. Let's say it's a dresser. And they're like rubbing their hands with their hair. Fine as hell. I'm so sorry. Rico Ortiz, please grow your hair out. Talking about, oh, this is how I look with my hair long. Then grow it out, please. I beg, please. Just a little experiment. Grow the hair out. Oluwande, kind man. I love him so much. He knocks on their door. He's like, oh, you know, Jim, comida, food. Come get it. And we hear Jim talk. So it's like, damn, they can talk. So all in this, we realize that they're lying about being mute. And they're not who they say they are. Another main supporting character, by the way, if you didn't realize that watching this, they're setting Jim up and Oluwande and Lucius to be main supporting characters. And Jim takes the food and eats. And then we go back on deck and Steed is finished reading them to sleep. And they're like, come on, do one more chapter. And he's like, no, you know, we got a big day tomorrow. You guys need your rest. I love their family dynamic that's being set up and that they have later on where he's like kind of a father figure to them and it's setting up him being someone they could come to to talk to and how he's letting them be more emotionally vulnerable and voice their opinions and thoughts and be able to be themselves yeah they said no toxic masculinity on this ship you know and they're really going against societal norms about men sharing their feelings and being open about their mental health and all that shit i love this show so much 
But yeah, he's like, night, night, you know, get some rest, go to sleep. And then we zoom out and we see the flags. Like, he put up all the flags. It's obviously supposed to be very reminiscent of when a parent's like, oh, you know, I'll frame your drawings. And they have all your bullshit drawings framed on the walls and the fridge. Because they love you even though the drawings look like, I don't know, you gave a monkey a crayon. And then he shut on it and clapped and then scribbled all over the paper. That was so nasty. I'm sorry. But yeah, and then... We go to credits. That's the first episode. It was amazing. Great. Loved the way they talk about trauma. And they continue to talk about trauma later on in the episode to get deeper into it. But for now, you know, we've kind of hit the base. But the base is still a lot. It's better than most other shows that talk about trauma. Or try to. It's not clunky, you know. The humor is good. Comedy amazing. Racism, they said, no, we don't do that shit on this show. And when it is here, it's dealt with swiftly and promptly. I know that's right. I know that's right. Okay, so my favorite characters in this episode were Frenchie, obviously, love him down, Oluwande, and Steed, but only if I had to pick a third. Like, I love Steed in this episode, but I don't know, Frenchie and Oluwande taking the cake. Maybe I'm biased. Yeah, I am. I just love to see black people winning, and they did win a little bit, you know, they got their licks back against the racists. But yeah, it's a great setup towards the show to show what the show is all about, healing, coping with trauma, saying fuck you to toxic masculinity and white supremacy, because that's what this is, a big fuck you to white supremacy. And it's also, you know, found family-like. You know, don't let anyone stop you from being your true self, and it's okay to form your own family. There's nothing wrong with that. I love this show so much. But yeah, this was a great episode, a great pilot, a great way to start the show, really great. Shows us everyone, you know, we learn a bit about everyone, a little bit. By a little bit, I mean their names and basically what kind of characters they are, which is good. Sets up all the main supporting characters. Sets up Steed's arc, which is obviously going to be about healing from his trauma and gaining some self-confidence and self-esteem and learn that, hey, you know, I am who I am. If you don't like that, fuck you. Not like the white way of when people are like, oh, you know, these damn people are trying to stop me from being who I am. Whole time they're a bigot. No, I mean like Steed gaining self-acceptance like... Who I am is good and okay and more than well enough, and I'm deserving of respect and love, and there's nothing wrong with me. But yeah, childhood trauma is a big one in this episode. It shapes a lot of Steed's actions and character, as we can see. That shit really fucked him up. All the bullying and his dad being an absolute dick about everything and bashing on him as a child. He left his fucking family, so obviously it's hurt him a lot. It's not just childhood trauma he's dealing with. He's also had to conform to, you know, white supremacist ideals. You know, white woman, wife, white children, and being a manly man, which he is obviously not. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, in his society, there is something wrong with that. So he had to go. He was feeling stuffed and, like, he couldn't be his true self. And yeah, it is fucked up. He left his wife and kids. But, I mean, I feel very sympathetic towards him because like yeah he left his wife and kids and that was pretty fucked up but he felt stuffed in that he couldn't be his true self at least that's what i get from the little flashbacks we're shown of him and he just had to get out of there i feel like he felt like he was dying slowly like this was like a fate worse than death for him not being able to be his true self and that's really sad but yeah it was a great episode 10 out of 10, I would say. Maybe I'm biased because it's like the seventh time I've rewatched this show. And yeah, thank you for tuning in. Please tune in next time where I talk about the second episode. Bye. Oh, not bye. One more thing. 
go follow my Twitter, which should be below, and share your thoughts and opinions on this episode and share it with your friends. Okay, bye for real.